I was going to say, we should start recording us like bullshitting and all that. Because all that f- from the beginning, from when we were talking would be, I feel like it's it's good yeah. stuff for people to like want to hear all that. And us just talking about how our weeks went, what we got planned as coaching and with our clients and what kind of content we're working on. Like, I feel like that stuff is, it's cool for people to hear the like what goes on in the background of what we do because maybe our clients are listening to this or maybe it's random people or just people who follow us or like our content but it'd be cool for them to know like a day in the life of like an online coach you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) an online coach (laughs) no i agree that's why i said just get it let's just get it rolling because i was like talking about um the lifting stuff and good to be back after the food poisoning and i thought actually people might be interested to hear about that yeah you know i think it's um so that's that's kind of an interesting topic as well like okay when when you get sick do you stop training completely or do you like reduce volume do you reduce intensity or do you like i know it's a lot safer for you because you have a gym at home andy and like i'm jealous of that you got your own little a little training studio but uh but so obviously it's safer for you to be training a little bit while you're sick but like what what was your i know you were just like out of commission completely but yeah how was that yeah so obviously it depends how sick you are and what you've got i i suppose but yeah i had food poisoning this time last week i had actually just had a night of i was up all night throwing up um and coming out of both ends <laughs> <laughs> i was like shall i say it I was like, okay. yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and uh, i was like up every half an hour all night pretty much and then the f- last week it was like the following two days after that i was just bedridden for two two or three days and uh, even after that it was like just brain fog and even like the last couple of days now it's it's been like energy levels have been pretty low yeah and so i couldn't train even if i wanted to because i was so exhausted i could have trained if if i if i really like i had the time to but i decided that it was better for me to get rest to be honest um so i decided against training even though i could have just come down and done a little bit but it was more important for me to get rest in order for me to function properly and help be around for my family and whatever. Um, but I'm back training now, uh, back posting those clips on my Instagram stories when I train, which is uh, four or five days a week, which is good. Um, and I found so far my strength is pretty much where it was, which is really, really good. Nice. That's good. Yeah, no, I was kind of worried about that, but I'm actually way out of breath. Like I was doing sets of 12 dumbbell front squats and in between each set, I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) it was lame is mate. So yeah, I'm struggling with my breath a little bit, but other than that, I'm pretty happy to come back and be pretty much where I left off. Um, So yeah, to going back to your question, like, should you train when you're sick? it really comes down to like what your sickness is and where you train. I think it's probably a little bit um, selfish if you are have a contagious sickness and you're turning up at the gym, spreading a sickness, especially if it's like COVID or something. No, that's a fucking, that's a fucking, <laughs> yeah. dick, that's a dick move for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, especially with the current climate of things, you know, with the, 
the C word, the vid going around. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, people are extra sensitive to like sickness or whatever. Like if you have like a little bit of a cough, it was like, oh, he has it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also I think people are too, they think they're going to like, look, take me, for example, I had food poisoning and I lost like six or seven pounds. I don't know if you saw in my stories, but I lost like six or seven pounds over the course of two days. And yeah, I'm coming back after a week and I've still got my strength. Okay. I'm a little bit out of breath, but I'm pretty much where I left off. I wouldn't say I've lost any, any muscle mass or anything. I'm just tired pretty much. So, you know, people think that they're going to lose their progress by, by having that time off. So they force themselves to go to the gym, even though they're sick and they then risk other people then getting sick because they are worried about themselves losing their gains, Mm. you know, which seems when it's you, it's, it's a tough decision because of course, when it's you, it's, you do want to go train. Of course you do. Um, But you got to think about other people and um, like, you've got to remind yourself that, you know, a week off is is probably what your body needs and you're not going to fucking ruin your gains. Let's be, let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, people take deload weeks, people take complete weeks off, you know, several weeks off, you know, when you're on vacation, you know, taking one or two weeks off of training, it's like in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then even like in the, the sound of the science is like clear on this. Like you only lose gains if you're literally inactive for like four plus weeks. Mm, it's right. like, and the, keep in mind the inactive is also like if you're bedridden and you're just not moving. But if you're like walking around and like still doing a lot of like activity, you're still using the muscles and your body's still like, okay, we have a reason to keep this. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right. So, um, I think, yeah, I think that's a good segue into like our main questions, um, for the podcast. So I know I've been getting a lot of comments lately on skinny fat and i know like i don't know if either of you have dealt with being skinny fat but i was skinny fat all through high school and for those of you who are listening who don't know what skinny fat is it's basically just an excess of body fat and a low percentage of muscle like you pretty much just don't have a lot of muscle mass so you have a higher body fat percentage even though you may look skinny with clothes on. You may look like you're at a healthy body fat percentage with clothes on. When you take those clothes off, you you pretty much look pudgy and skinny fat. So that's that's my best like definition of it. Do you guys have a better definition? Because I was kind of shitty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. Like you're the skinny part comes from yeah having low levels of muscle so that you look skinny under clothes. Um, I like that you added like the with clothes on and clothes off. Cause a lot of people like we have clothes on all the time. So a lot of people don't realize what our physiques look like with our clothes off, but uh, yeah, besides the point, but uh, yeah, the skinny part comes from having low levels of muscle mass. And then the fat part comes from having low levels of muscle definition or any sort of definition where you have an excess of body fat covering you. Yeah. And, and so have you got like a good majority of my clients i'd say fall under this category and pretty much what it means is a lot of them are detrained or complete beginners to lifting they don't have a lot of muscle mass and they have been pretty much just hitting the cardio hitting you know 
the cardio machines pretty hard and just trying to get skinny through like extreme dieting for years and years. But I know that like some people genetically just are don't have a lot of muscle mass too. So I don't know if you guys have dealt with this personally or if you guys have had clients who have dealt with this, but like um, what what is your go-to if somebody is skinny fat? How do you address this? Austin, you go. Okay. If you guys would have seen if you guys would have seen their faces, it was like, should I go? Should you go? Should I go? No, like, I want Austin first. to go. I want Austin to go because <laughs> I'm worried I'm gonna get it wrong. And Austin, we should have we should have like little signs we put up that are like Austin, you go. It's yeah. like hey, calling the scientist. Call yeah. in the scientist Austin to let us know if it's the good. right or wrong answer. No, that's good. We got our scientist on duty. All right, Austin. Oh man. Yeah. So um oh, man, it's it's a pretty tough question. There, there's like there's really like no one size fits all answer. It all it all really depends on like people's perception of what skinny fat is. Um and also like what their starting point really does look like. Um, because skinny fat itself, like I'm sure we all have kind of have a picture in our head, but some people may have a lot more body fat, but some people may have a little bit less body fat. Uh, personally, my personal experience with this, with being skinny fat is that I, I was skinny fat at a point in time, but I didn't have an, a huge excess of body fat. I just had enough to like where I didn't see enough muscle definition. Uh, but I'd say back to the original question, how to exactly deal with this? I'd say the biggest part is probably your training. Like if you take your training to an adequate intensity and an adequate amount, you're going to solve a lot of those problems. It's you, it's mostly just due to training I'd say, just start training harder, start lifting heavy, start progressively overloading. And then nutrition on the nutrition side of things, if you eat enough protein, if you eat around, I'd say maintenance, or even in a slight surplus, just to enhance the muscle building effects, then you're going to start digging yourself out of that ditch in a sense. So and, you, sorry, sorry so, so you would put, put someone in that situation into a surplus to start with. Yeah. This so, is yeah. So for myself, I would have done that at least at a maintenance surplus that again, this is going to depend on how much body fat they have to lose. If someone I could tell that they have a huge excess of body fat, then I would put them in a slight deficit. But like personally for me, like, it's really subjective. I'm trying to think of like a good way to put this. Like, like if I flexed really hard, I would have had abs, but, but that, that was like my, my body fat level. So you're probably somewhere between like 15 to like 17% or something like that. Yeah. I'd say around there. Yeah. So probably, probably close to where I'm at right now. I'm probably between 14 and 16% body fat and I'm going into a surplus right now. And the reason for that is like, I just, I want to give my, first of all, I want to give myself a break from being in a deficit and I want to give myself a fair chance to build some good lean muscle tissue. If I put on some extra body fat, that's okay. I can go into a short mini cut, but yeah, I've, I personally have never gone into an extended calorie surplus in order to build muscle for like six months a year even more than that so i think it's just a good thing for everybody to learn how to do and how to do it effectively so um yeah i i think that that can be a good recommendation and and andy you looked like you had a different kind of uh experience maybe with clients or with yourself 
Yeah, well, I th- I've never been skinny fat, just uh, fat. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that's kind of my experience. Um, and most of my clients are like, I do have people that are hard gainers, I would say. And, you know, we do go through phases of um, cutting and bulking. Um, rarely do we spend time at maintenance. We would spend time either cutting or bulking. But I guess the main question really is, and I see this people, I see this asked a lot, is should I cut or should I bulk? Mm. And what's the starting point for someone that's skinny fat? And that's where I wanted you to kind of go first, Austin, because I guess it really comes down to what's most important for the client at that point in time. And for the most part, when I've had clients come in, generally they're more self-conscious of their belly fat. So I've put them into a small deficit, Mm. you know, and a lot of the time cleaning up your nutrition, tracking calories, eating more uh, whole foods, less processed foods. It's going to be, especially if it's someone that is genetically got a slightly higher metabolism, eating more clean foods and having a high metabolism. It's so easy to go into a deficit for someone like that because you have to eat a hell of a lot of calories. Mm. Um, and to get that all from like whole foods is difficult. So it, from what I've seen from working with people, it's like we start off in a deficit, trim around the edges a little bit, get them feeling less self-conscious, more comfortable in themselves by just, you know, having a little bit of less body fat and then work on, you know, going back into that gaining phase then them again them being the ones in control of gaining gaining weight gaining muscle and and uh trying to put on some size so that's kind of the route that i've gone with it but i think part partially it's because that's mostly where people have been when they've approached me for help not Mm. because they've said to me what should i do and i've said you should do this if that makes sense it's mostly I've kind of met them where they're at, tackled their biggest hurdle at the time, and then transitioned into something, something else, which has been a bulking phase, I suppose. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I will say for the majority of people who are dealing with skinny fat, it's not because they have an excess of body fat, but it's more so they have a lack of muscle. Mm. Yeah. Cause like if we, when, when I do compare my progress pictures, like, Right before I started this cut, I'd say like peak bulk, I, I was about 17, 18% body fat. But if you compared pictures of me now versus back when I was skinny fat at that same body fat percentage, you would be like, there's no way you're like the same body fat percentage because having all of this like extra muscle mass on you actually makes you look leaner. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. But also like client psychology it's like what's optimal versus what's realistic. It's like what's optimal is having somebody go into maybe a slight surplus, maintenance, whatever. But what's realistic for most clients and what they can wrap their heads around, especially people who have, you know, poor body self-image, you put them into a surplus, all they're going to be thinking about is how, how much body fat they're gaining. And they're not going to be thinking about how much muscle they're gaining. So this is where us as coaches, it's like, we can coax them into a surplus after maybe a short fat loss phase and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to give you what you want so I can give you what you need kind of thing, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to give you that short little fat loss phase. Okay, cool. You know, we dropped four pounds of body fat. Okay, 
Now I think it's time to go into a sur an extended surplus and explain to them, make sure they understand why we're doing it and the benefits. But it's a lot easier for to talk someone into a muscle building phase or a surplus after you have kind of given them what they want. And then you've built that trust with them. And they're like, okay, I trust you now. Mm -hmm. Boom. Because I feel like it does take a lot more trust to put your clients into a calorie surplus because it's a lot longer of a process fat loss you can see the results happening it's like every week you know the pictures are coming in you know waist is coming down scales coming down but in a surplus man it's a mind fuck it's a mind fuck because this changes are happening on such a micro level so it's kind of like what we talked about last podcast it's muscle building is a long game it's a long game yeah it is you're right that's a really good point and one thing as well to remember is you can still build muscle in a deficit coming True. in as a complete noob like so if you are coming in and you are in a deficit you can still put on some muscle you're not going to maximally optimize it as if you would be in a surplus but you still have the chance of you know building some muscle and potentially actually you know if you're coming in as a complete noob and you know you're just getting used to the movements of weight training you know potentially you're not even going to be able to use enough weight to get enough of a response at that point you know to to grow that much muscle so you might as well do it while you're in a deficit anyway potentially i don't know what do you think about that yeah uh for sure i agree with everything you guys have said um th this is more so just for the listener here like if you are like contemplating i'd say definitely go with and and you're just starting out try try just building muscle for the first few months and then see how you like it. if you aren't seeing the results that you like then you can think about going to a deficit but i think there's a lot to be learned for just eating at maintenance and this is why i recommend a lot of people just start out at maintenance because mm, like mm. you know being in a deficit is stressful on the body and especially if you have been someone who's been trying to get that six-pack trying to get lean and you've been constantly dieting and you're not seeing the results that you want maybe it's time to stop being in a deficit and start eating more and see if that changes anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that's what you guys talked me into doing because like I coach fat loss clients and I'm, I'm good at fat loss. Like I understand very, very well what kind of foods I should be eating, you know, how my body works, you know, when am I the most hungriest, how my eating schedule should be, you know, what kind of training I enjoy when I'm in a deficit. Like being in a deficit is actually more comfortable for me than being in a surplus, which makes zero sense because in a surplus, your, your training is better, you feel better, you have more energy, you can eat more food, you can be a little bit more flexible with your nutrition. Being in a surplus is way more fun than, than being in a calorie deficit. I'm gonna say it's way more fun, dude. It's, it is, I'm having fun, I'm having yeah, a blast. Crazy. <laughs> I'm having a blast, right? Yeah. Like my training yeah. is beautiful. You, you guys are both like, fuck you, cause you guys are both in fat loss phases right yeah. now. <laughs> Austin, how's, how's, your, how's your fat loss phase going, dude? You know, honestly, not too bad. I'm about a week, a little over a week, week and a half into it now. Going on a pretty aggressive cut this time around just to like try it out. I've always done the slow and sustainable approach. Not that this isn't sustainable, but I've always done the like the more slow and steady approach. That's the mm -hmm. better uh, phrase for it. Um, but yeah, uh, it was through those through that journey of taking it slow that I learned all these habits that I am able to do this more aggressive version now but yeah the uh the weight is slowly coming up or it's it's coming off pretty fast actually uh but 
yeah, I'm, I'm getting leaner. My strength is still like maintained in the gym. Yeah. And yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of sucks like eating fewer calories and yeah, just like Jeff said, it's, I mean, let's be real who likes eating less food. Right. So yeah, dude, it fucking sucks. And it's so what's cool though is like when you're doing a rapid fat loss kind of protocol, like Austin said, it's like he's got lots of experiences, years of tracking food correctly and has a good relationship with food. But for somebody who doesn't, you know, the slow sustainable route is the way to go. And that's pretty much what, you know, I, I recommend what you guys recommend. What we're going to recommend on this podcast for 99% of people is going to be the slow sustainable route. But there is that small percentage of people who are like pretty well along their fitness journey. They have a good relationship with food. They know how to track foods efficiently. They've done multiple fat loss phases and they can go a little bit more rapid with their fat loss. So what does that look like, Austin? And like, like rapid fat loss, does that just mean lowering calories? Does it mean like reducing training volume? Does it mean eating more protein? Like, like what does rapid fat loss actually look like? Yeah. So if, um, as we've said, as all of us have said time and time again, the only way to lose fat is being in a calorie deficit. So with that said, the main driver of like your fat loss is going to be calories in calories out. So technically like just from like a mathematical and like um, a thermodynamics aspect, the higher of a deficit you're in. So the lower calories you go technically, yeah, the more fat and weight you will lose, but also, most of us, we don't want to just lose a bunch of weight and possibly muscle, bone density, water weight. We want to lose mainly fat. And in order to kind of optimize that, we want to be making sure that we're strength training at an appropriate intensity, eating enough protein. So if you can combine a, a high calorie deficit with a high protein intake and also strength train appropriately, then you're going to maintain most of the muscle mass on your body. Like your body, if, if you're strength training and you're eating enough protein, your body's not going to be like, all right, let's just like dump all this muscle out of our body. Cause you're, you're showing, you're giving your body the signals it needs to retain that muscle mass in your body. So in terms of what I'm doing, um, my maintenance was about 3,000, 3,500 calories, and I've cut it down to, uh, 1500 uh, although more recently, like 1500 is kind of like pretty miserable. So I've increased it to 1800, which is still a pretty sizable deficit, even with the extra 300 calories. So I'm not too <laughs> worried about it in terms of protein. I am eating one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So that's about like 170. I try to aim for it that much. And in terms of my food choices, I eat a lot of protein. Like I said, um, a lot of veggies and yeah, pretty much like a lot of low calorie dense foods or high volume foods which are foods just uh, that contain a lot of volume. So you can eat a lot of that food in terms of the like quantity, but in terms of a, the caloric amount, it's relatively low. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, if somebody's eating 1800 calories, you can still, you can, st that's still like for a lot of people, that's a good amount of food. 3,500 mm -hmm. is a fuck ton of food. Like I'm going to say that. 3,500 yeah. is a lot. So like the fact that your maintenance mm -hmm. is 3,500 is pretty fucking impressive. Um, mm -hmm. Mine's probably somewhere between 26 to 2,800. But like I, when I go into a deficit, like it's pretty common for me to get my calories down to 1,800, 1,800 to 2,000. And so like what you're basically doing is like a 50% calorie deficit. Like it's 50% below your maintenance. So it's... It, what 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 we usually recommend right is somewhere between like 15 and 30% like 
probably 30% is even aggressive. Um, mm -hmm. For most people, 20% is that sweet spot where they're probably going to be losing about 1% uh, of their body weight per week or, you know, one, one to two pounds of fat per week. But, you know, 50%, dude, that's aggressive. But mm -hmm. the reason Austin's able to do this, I want to, I want to reiterate for our listeners, like if your maintenance is 2200, don't go and do a fucking 50% calorie deficit. Like that's a terrible idea. But if your maintenance is 3,500 calories, you can go into an aggressive deficit because 1,800 calories is still a lot of food. So it's still manageable, you know? So yeah, you may be hungry, but um, but it's nothing get like 1,100 calories for somebody. So mm -hmm. if I can yeah. just add there and say they can do that if they have a good relationship with food and they have done multiple cuts Mm -hmm. sustainably in the past if they've done the steady cut and they're they're competent with that i wouldn't otherwise jump in a rapid approach otherwise mm -hmm. yeah for sure I, I was gonna actually say like honestly like the the and, and so, this is something we've constantly like mentioned again and again like the main part of a calorie deficit isn't even like the physical aspect it's like if we really think about it it's super simple it's literally a math equation and if you can nail that math equation for yourself you are going to get those results, but most of it is mindset. Yeah. And like, I find myself like, like, uh, I mean, although I do get the hunger pangs here and there, but I'm choosing good foods. I'm not really thinking too much about it. I know that after this, and this is, I'd say the most important part. It's, it's not about what you do during the diet, but what you do after. And like, after the diet, I'm not going to be like, Hey, let's just eat like fucking 5,000, 5,000 calories with the like pizza and burgers and everything. And I'm just going to slowly increase the amount of food that I am eating right now, the same food types, just increasing the calorie amounts. And then that's pretty much it. Mm. Yeah, man. I like that. Have you, um, have you noticed too, like, and here's another thing that maybe we could touch on is like, even if calories are low, you're in a 50% calorie deficit. If you keep protein around one gram per pound of lean body mass, like you don't have that many hunger pangs. Like I'm going to say, I don't. I don't have that many hunger pains as long as I keep protein high enough and I'm, I'm choosing mostly whole foods. I'm having that salad per day or just getting my veggies in, getting my micros in. I find that I'm really not that hungry, even if I am eating 1800 calories or lower. Um, as long, like I've done some pretty intensive rapid fat loss protocols and calories got pretty low at one point. And as long as protein was high and I was getting enough micronutrients, getting enough fiber, I wasn't really that hungry. And, and I don't know, maybe that's just me, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I say also a big part of it is how long are you planning to do this? Cause I think a lot of people go into the mindset of like, oh, I'm going to do this to try and lose like 50 pounds. Like, no, I'm just doing this to lose like maybe 10 or 15, mm -hmm. um, not even 15, probably 10. Um, but I'm just doing this for four weeks. And I know that it's at the end of the four weeks and I'm just going to lose whatever it's more so I'm not really paying too much attention to the scale, but rather like what my physique looks like. If I get to a mount, I might even cut it short. If I get to like a certain leanness that I'm comfortable with, but yeah, but don't, don't go doing this for like six months and then mm -hmm. being like, Oh man, this fucking sucks. I'm eating 1500 calories for <laughs> six months on end. It's like, obviously that's going to put a lot of stress in your body and just not good for you physically and mentally. Right. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, so got a couple questions here from some some followers on my end um i put up a question sticker in my stories and a girl named dustin says 
how do I get my sweet tooth under control? And I'm gonna f I'm gonna have Coach Tayas address that one. How how does a girl named Dustin get her sweet tooth under control? I appreciate you saying Coach Tayas in British accent, by the way. I got it, dude. <laughs> Coach Tayas. Um, how do you get your sweet tooth under control? Great question, Dustin. Thank you for that one. Um, this is something that I also struggle with or have to be conscious of because I too have a sweet tooth. Um, so <laughs> what do I do or what do I advise my clients to do? First of all, you have to figure out a way. If you're in a deficit and your goal is fat loss, you still have to figure out a way of enjoying food and you have to do it in moderation fucking boring <laughs> <laughs> the most boring word out there like every time i do a check-in i'm like moderation nobody <laughs> gives a shit about moderation <laughs> it's fucking boring <laughs> um, that's it <laughs> yeah so you you have to try right you've got your calorie balance your calorie targets that's your budget it's up to you what you spend it on. You've got your three pillars, your protein, your carbs, and fats. You want to try and get as close to those as you can realistically. And then from there, it's up to you what you use that. You want to be spot, smart by filling up with mostly whole foods, but you want to be able to still enjoy the process. And that means that you should be able to sprinkle in a little summer, summer, you know what I mean? Um, and, and if you can't, what's the point in life? You know what I mean? So uh, and the thing about being in a deficit, it does require you to be a bit more strict than when you're when you're Jeff and you're in a surplus and you're bloody you're flexing on on the two lads that are in a deficit. But uh -huh. yeah, so you do have more flexibility when you're at maintenance and when you are in a surplus. But when you're in a deficit, you should still have room for some sweet treats. And to make sure you have room, you've got to make sure you're active enough that you are able to not earn calories, but you know, the more active you are, the more calories that you can have and still be in a deficit, of course. So that's important to keep your activity levels up. Um, and then, yeah, just factoring it in and having those things guilt-free and then knowing when to say, okay, that's enough. Um, and maybe that's having something at the end of a meal. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, and, and me included it's like you have one thing and you feel kind of bad about it and so it's like oh, i fucking hell i ruined my shit <laughs> <laughs> you know you i'm sure you guys know what it's like I fucking ruin my shit so i'll have another one i'm fucking oh i'm so naughty um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm a bad bad boy <laughs> naughty naughty i'm a naughty boy <laughs> <laughs> oh my okay. god dude that's good <laughs> you know what i'm saying though isn't it it's yeah. like yeah mm -hmm. oh i'm such a bad boy anyway i can't carry on with that yeah, but you yeah. <laughs> i'm a bad boy i'm gonna push myself to work yeah. cardio tomorrow you know? <laughs> yeah my coach better my coach better come and give me discipline oh wow <laughs> oh you coach taters provide i'm clipping this i'm putting this in a reel this is getting clipped. I hope Mike Vacanti doesn't watch this. Oh, oh God. God. He, 
We're tagging him. We're tagging him, dude. He's not even on Instagram. We're tagging good, him. Good, good. Mike Bucante oh, giving me some bloody discipline. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so factoring in foods that you enjoy, guilt-free, knowing when to stop is is obviously important. Um, so, all jokes aside, that would be my answer. You have to be guilt-free and enjoy enjoy yourself too. Um, but still filling up on the good stuff that you're feeling satiated. Um, and yeah, anything you guys would add to that? Yeah, I think, so I think what you end up restricting is what you'll end up overdoing it on. Like if you, if you ever deem any food as like off limits, it's not, you're not, you're not doing something that's sustainable for you because that thing that you're deeming as off limits, you really fucking enjoy it obviously you enjoy it otherwise you wouldn't be able to like be like oh that food's off limits but if you inc- if you include this food in moderation moderation fucking hell uh, boring boring uh <laughs> you know if you include it in moderation like you will you will find a way to improve that relationship with food generally that sweet tooth craving just comes from people deeming these sweet tooth foods as like off limits it's like these foods are not off limits you just have to find you have to hack your lifestyle you have to hack your living environment to make it work for you and i understand some people have kids some people have husbands and wives who like like those foods and so you're not going to be like oh you can't have those foods in the house because i'm in a calorie deficit like that's bullshit don't don't make other people miserable because you want to be miserable like if you if you literally can't handle yourself around certain foods like have that person put it in a drawer or out of reach or just the psychology of it is like don't have it right in front of you every time you open the pantry because you're going to look at it every time and it's like those billboards for fucking uh oreos or some shit it's like you see enough of those billboards it's like subconscious marketing you're going to be like ah i need some fucking oreos you know what i mean but it's the same thing as when you open your pantry there's it's like a gigantic billboard for oreos every time you fucking open your pantry and you're thinking about how you can't have it so i just have a serving and a serving of oreos is two fucking oreos for like 140 calories i know because i'm i got the new carrot cake i got the new carrot cake oreos oh they smack Ooh. they slap dude i love the new carrot cake oreos and you guys can't have them because you're in a deficit but uh but they're good have them in moderation yeah have them in moderation um but literally two of them for 140 calories it's like fuck dude two for 140 calories you know how much fucking you know chicken and broccoli i could have for that it's like it's crazy but uh sometimes it's worth it sometimes it's worth it to get in those oreos because if you have that one serving and you have that one serving every time you're craving it eventually those you're going to create a a cycle inside your brain where psychologically that food is not off limits anymore. I can have a serving every single day if I want to. And now that food is not off limits anymore. And I've create I've not created this scarcity mindset around it that like I need, oh fuck, it's Saturday. I can have as many Oreos as I want now. I've been restricting them all week. And then yeah. you binge and then you feel like shit. And then you feel like a failure. Then it spills over into sunday and you still feel like a failure then you eat like shit sunday and it spills over into very naughty and then monday you're like i'll get back on track on monday and then you fast and you do cardio and you try and make up for it it Mm. just leads to this terrible relationship with food and exercise and so many people are afflicted by this so yeah have those foods that you're craving if you really struggle with this 
go to the gas station and buy a single serving of the food that you want to enjoy. So go buy that candy bar, go buy those Oreos, have it and be done with it. Don't keep the entire package in the house if you can. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I've been thinking about this quite a bit because uh, think about like the Atomic Habits book and about, you know, there's the habit you want to break and you, and then you're trying to create the friction between those two, right? Um, And so you're obviously trying to make it as hard as possible for you to partake in that habit. And let's say there's a certain food item that you're having trouble resisting. So you're trying to create as much friction between you and that item of food. So, of, of course, the easy thing would be to not have it in the house. If you don't have it in the house and you have to go to the shop and buy it, us as humans, we're very lazy. You know, we'll be like, ah, I just won't fucking have it because it's I can't be bothered. Right. You know? Right. But, you know, if you have a good relationship food, you should be able to have that in the house, especially if family members want that food. You know, like I have a problem with peanut butter. OK, there I said it. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Andy and I'm a peanut butter addict. <laughs> yeah. Like if I know there's peanut butter in the house, I will fucking find it. And like, I will eat it. What, so, kind, what kind do you like? Do you like the crunchy or the smooth? Crunchy. I like same, same. Yeah. Yeah. You got a brand you like? Uh, Adams here in Canada is pretty peng. Adams is good, but I feel like the oil on the top, like you really got to mix that bitch up like yeah. vi- vigorously. Yeah. It's a vigorous Indeed. it's a vigorous mixing situation. You know if you turn it upside down the trick that trick? Mm-hmm. If you store it upside down the oil will <clears throat> float to the top. Ah. Yeah, so I always store my um peanut butter upside down in the fridge. Um Bob's your uncle mate. You filthy banker. I know, yeah. <laughs> Tricks of the trade mate. Um <laughs> anyway, so it would be good to have those foods in the house, right? Because you ha- want to have a good relationship with food and not having them in the house when other people want to eat them. Let's be real. Like, so it's like, okay, what's, what are the friction can we create? Hiding it, putting it in like the top cupboard where you can't reach it, where you have to get a stool. Cause like I said, we're humans, we're lazy shits. <laughs> yep. You know, like you're going to pull a stool out and like climb up and get the cookies or something. No, can't be asked. Not going to eat the cookies. Um, so it's about like creating a bit of friction between you and that thing um, and not making it easy. And I think that was my point. <laughs> no, I like that. That's good. Austin, yeah. do you deal with, how do you deal with sweet tooth cravings? Oh, uh, yeah. This actually kind of like connects nicely back to like my previous point about like being at a calorie deficit is really like all about mindset and it's your and a lot of it is just like your mindset with food. Like, do you feel like you really want this because you feel like you need it? Or is it because you just like want it for the sake of wanting it? And like, um, yeah, but personally for me, um, uh, it's just, yeah, having it in moderation and a huge part that you guys brought up, it's knowing that I can have this whenever I want. Cause when you form that like mindset of like, oh, I can only have this on Sundays or Saturdays and I can only have this when I've been good or whatever, then it leads you to want that thing even more. And personally, the thing for me, like I, it, 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 take, it definitely is easier said than done. It takes a lot of like inner work. Um, but yeah, just like having it in moderation definitely helps with the, the cravings. 
and forming that better habit of like, I can literally always have this when I want to. And uh, for me personally, that has helped. And also always asking myself, do I really, do I really want this food or do I need this food or do I just like simply want it for the sake of wanting it? Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with wanting it either. It's like, yeah, I think I do this every single Halloween. I'll grab a big bag of Halloween candy and I'll document it on my stories and I'll be like, I am just going to have two pieces of candy every single day for the next 30 days, right? Just two pieces. Every single year I fail, right? I fail. I eat more than two, right? Who the fuck eats two tiny little pieces of candy? Like nobody does that, bro. But like what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show people that like if you quote unquote fail and you have more than two pieces of candy per day, when you have it's Halloween, like that does that's not gonna derail your progress. Like just move on with your fucking life, you know. Don't you don't have to have seven or eight, but yeah, if you have like fucking three or four pieces of candy, you know the little snack size fucking things. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I think it's when people get into this like sneaky mindset. They're like, ooh, it's like. 11 p.m. I'm gonna sneak into the cupboard all the you know my family's sleeping and I'm gonna sneak into their candy and eat a couple pieces like I think mm-hmm. it's when you start getting all sneaky and weird about food that's when it's dangerous that's when you're like all right I'm literally mm-hmm. gonna fucking overdo it mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you know even if you do overdo it sometimes that's okay too it, it happens right it's just like reset yourself as soon as you can get back on track it's going to happen sometimes um but yeah figuring out a way to enjoy food is important yeah even if even if you're in deficit you can lose weight and still have a piece of chocolate yeah i think Mm. there's something to be said too about like the power of eating more fruit um that's something that people don't really talk about because i think fruit's been like unfairly demonized and that's terrible for you right no i'm just kidding but but seriously like every single night i have a big ass bowl of fruit and it's a gigantic bowl of fruit it's like two cups of mixed frozen fruit two cups of blueberries i have this every single night and what it does is it kills my sugar cravings like i i used to that used to be a big ass bowl of ice cream and now it's a big ass bowl of fruit and i literally don't I don't really crave the ice cream or anything else because I'm getting that sweet tooth fix late at night. You know, that's my dessert is just fruit. And, you know, yeah, I know it's not like the hack that people are looking for is just eat fucking fruit. But literally, man, it works for me and it's worked for several of my clients. And I think it's just we want to have something sweet to finish off the night and it works well for me. So I think that's just something that it's worth pointing out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, it, it, a lot of it has to do with mindset. Like, are you conditioned to the fact that like, oh, I need to have sweets every time I finish a meal? Or is, is it like something that you truly want? Like if you truly wanted like a slice of pie or something, then go and get it. But if like, is if it's because of a habit, but like, oh, I always feel like I just need this. But like, do you really need it though? It's like, yeah. it's like really just digging deep and asking yourself the, the tough questions ask yourself what emotional void are you missing from your life that makes you want to crave (laughs) this sweet treat are you gonna share my secret are you missing love all right go ahead i miss i'm not missing love (laughs) (laughs) i'll share my secret okay 
Dustin, if you're still there, this is what I do. I have this once a day at least. Okay. It is absolutely filthy amazing. Okay. It is my protein dessert and it doesn't sound great, but it is. I take Greek, zero fat Greek yogurt or Icelandic yogurt. Okay. Depending on, you know, how, how I'm feeling. Um, and I mix one and a half scoops of whey protein right now. It's, um, birthday cake flavor. Okay. One and a half scoops, stir it in. It mixes really nicely. Then in their puffed wheat cereal, it's like just 10 grams of that. It's not even any calories, barely. It's just filler. You know what I mean? A little bit of that in there, a little bit of drizzle of honey on top. And then mm. I just top that with a little bit right now that I used to have just that, but I've started going a little bit extra with a bit of granola on top yeah just for a little bit crunch you know what i mean a little a little bit (laughs) just for a little bit of crunch you know what i'm saying and that is like i don't know 250 calories it's got like 40 grams of protein which is absolutely insane yeah um and it just tastes so bloody amazing Uh, and i just have it every single day i've had it for like two years so that's a game changer man i think it depends too like if you get the good protein powder like i've noticed legion shout out to legion me and austin are on that legion (laughs) kick um we like like their protein powders mix really well the cinnamon cereal way fucking slaps dude like it's Mm -hmm. i'm not even saying it because i'm an affiliate like i really just fuck with the cinnamon cereal way so hard and it mixes very very well into greek yogurt so Tastes like yeah. cinnamon toast crunch. It's bomb. Oh yeah, that does mm-hmm. sound good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is my favorite cereal. So like, yeah, I've been like doing that shit every single night too. I think I'm gonna get the five pound jug of the cinnamon, the cinnamon mm. way, dude. It's so bomb, dude. Jug. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but listen, dude. It's it. Another thing too is the if you guys haven't done the anabolic ice cream yet from uh from Greg Doucet. I think he's like one of the first people who did it, but pretty much you you blend up protein powder, ice, a lot of ice, and a little bit of xanthan gum, which sounds weird, but it's pretty much just a thickening agent and it's like a tiny bit. And then some artificial sweetener and maybe a little bit of fruit. And pretty much it makes this big ass jug of fucking ice cream that you can eat, bro, and it tastes like if you use if you use the right blender and and you do it right, the, the texture is smooth and it's like fucking ice cream and it's insane. And you get a whole blender full of it for like less than 200 calories. So I was doing that for a while when it's summertime and it's warm here again, I'll probably start doing that again when I'm in a cut. But yeah, like, you know, in a, in a calorie surplus right now, I couldn't see myself eating that shit because it fills you up like crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was doing that actually. Um, and actually this was pretty much the same recipe, but just without the xanthan gum and without the extra ice. Mm. So I pretty much just have it as a smoothie because I can't be bothered to scoop it out. Yeah. And it's just easy to chug down, but yeah, um, it is actually pretty filling. All right. Well, I think we are officially coming to a close. Um, you guys have any final thoughts? Should we just call it a day? That was lovely, yeah. I think that was yeah, a great was a episode. One. All right. Well, if you guys don't already follow us on Instagram, uh, Jeff Packman Fitness, 
and Austin Chan Fitness and Coach Taters. And we will be back with another episode very, very soon. Thank you guys for supporting us. If you guys like the podcast so far, please go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Or if we suck, give us a one-star review. It really doesn't fucking matter. Uh, just review it because it helps more people find us. And, um, yeah, that's it. You guys got anything? I appreciate nope. everyone listening. I'll see the wanker gang next time. Hashtag <laughs> back in the cave. All right, bye. See ya. Thank you.